today on Laura Lynn and Friends. It's the weakness of mostly men in this season to not recognize the danger, recognize the evil, recognize where it's going to take us and to stand up and righteously and lawfully get in this fight and resist the evil, call it out by name and stand in the gap. Well, hello and welcome to the beginning of the last days. My name is Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson. It is great to be with you. And you know that I love to start every single show with reading from my dad's Bible. My dad, uh, he's been gone two years and a month and I miss him. And uh, when, when he passed away, we were cleaning up the house and there was his Bible sitting right beside his chair where he would sit, you know, for many hours of his last days, usually watching the news. <laughs> and uh, periodically he would look into, into this Bible. And, and in fact, I remember him saying, you know what, I've made a deal with myself. I, I, I'm not allowed to pick up another newspaper until I read the word. He felt that, you know, he'd kind of let it slip a little bit. He was just such an incredible man. So when I finally opened my dad's Bible, which was not really my place to do when he was around, it felt like that was his personal, his, his book, you know, um, I opened it up only to find out that pretty much every single page of this Bible has something underlined. So we're going to be talking about an incredible uh, book called Nehemiah Strong, and it's, it really um, finds its basis in the book of Nehemiah. So I, I, I wondered what my dad had underlined or found to be fascinating in the book of Nehemiah. So I went to Nehemiah 4, and this is what my dad has, um, has underlined. And it's in Nehemiah 4, verse 19. And I said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, the work is great and large, and we are separated upon the wall one from another. They're in a big battle. They're working hard to fortify against evil coming against them, and they feel separated. In what place, therefore, ye hear the sound of the trumpet? I love this old English. Resort ye thither unto us. Our God shall fight for us. I think what that, what that verse is saying is when you hear the sound, when you hear the sound and it tells you, that it is time to gather together because we're strong together, then come together on the wall and God will fight for us. I absolutely love it. So you are going to really appreciate um, the depth of this interview that we're about to go into. Uh, I really appreciate that um, that we've got a we've got a battle. We've all been unpacking in the last three to four years. For me, many of you, you write me and you go, I was way ahead of you. I figured out all this stuff a long time ago. Not me. I think that I began opening my eyes that there is true evil and, and a, a lot of darkness and the, the evil had cooperated with many other factions of evil to bring about the demise of the world on many levels. For me, it was the eye-opening experience of discovering that in our kindergarten classes, right here in Canada, in British Columbia, one of the first places it happened in Canada, that they were teaching kids that they could be a different gender. So that was the initial shock. And then COVID hit, and we began to realize some other things. Emergency measures were put into place, all kinds of, you know, our civil liberties were, were, were taken. And we began seeing that, you know, that there's a... Um, there's a problem. Well, 
There's another gentleman, and his name is uh, John Dislin. I hope that I'm saying that right. I'm going to ask him when he comes on. And uh, he, he actually began looking into um, sort of the deep underbelly of evil. And he had had a 20-year career in investment banking, mergers and acquisitions, and private equity investing, completing approximately $7 billion in transactions. From there, he launched an internet-based information services company, leading to that effort for nearly a decade. John was convicted to write Nehemiah Strong, a comprehensive 480-page reference guide uh, for those who stand, occupy, and overcome, and those who believe that God is calling us to stand because there's never been a more important time to stand. The work deeply explores both spiritual warfare and practical, tactical, real-world scenarios and contains hundreds of scriptures, references, and tactical and informational sources alike. And we're just so happy to have you here, John. Uh, we appreciate very much that, that what you've kind of done is you've combined some real-world experience and you talk about a deep dive because you were not a Christian uh, for your whole life. And you began looking at some things, going down some rabbit holes, and that sort of led you to your spiritual awakening. Tell us about that. It did. And first of all, Laura Lynn, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you opening up your time to me and this opportunity for us to sharpen irons together. Um, yeah, I was a, I was a nominal Christian. I you know I would have called myself a Christian, but um, I was uh, you know I, I love the salvation piece, but the lordship piece I struggle with, and uh, and also I just I'd been under uh, watered down milk pastors and uh, churches where you know the hard truths of scripture I had not I just I just didn't understand, which is amazing because I. I went to church from being a toddler, but right around 2013, 2014, God really opened my eyes. And the, the first thing he opened my eyes with was uh, the 9-11 event and how 9-11 was an inside job. And first couple of times I heard that, I balked. And the third time I was disgusted and I said, okay, I'm going to go disprove this, right, for myself. And uh, and lo and behold, about a week later, <laughs> was my whole foundation, kind of like the Twin Towers, my whole foundation was destroyed. And But uh, something better grew up in its place, which was an understanding of the truth and the truth of what Jesus said when he said that the whole world lies under the evil one. Wow. Um, I, I had that same experience, somebody telling me about 9-11 and, and uh, the... The things that didn't make sense about it and uh, they had some some uh, suppositions about it and I was you know irate and uh, you know was actually quite mean to them <laughs> and then over the years I've done a lot of also investigating and so it is like 9-11 kind of opened our eyes the other things that we're seeing now is that like with the CIA being implicated in the death of JFK you know that like pure evil is everywhere the the establishments the governments the people the authorities that you thought you could trust are really not trustworthy and so that actually shakes your foundation to the core well and not only are they not trustworthy they are the least trustworthy people we know they're they're not just not way up at the top of the scale they're way down at the bottom and so, so that, I mean, that was one of the many, you know, shocks I got in my life. Cause I actually, there was a season in my life when I was exploring with a friend who worked with the FBI, not as an FBI agent, but, uh, as a prosecutor, um, 
I, I was asking him, you know, should I become an FBI agent? And I'm so glad I did not. But uh, and and listen, there are a bunch of terrific FBI agents, you know, good men, but you know, they effectively serve as cover for all the despicable, wicked men at the top who, uh, you know, usurp our rights daily through uh, through lawfare and and unjust prosecution. So tell me about this journey then, as you began looking into 9-11, what, what was the next big hit? What, what, what was it that you discovered and, and how did it tie into your life completely changing from what you were doing to basically putting together? And I do have your book here and I thank you very much for it. It's, it is very heavy. It's really now heavy. You did finish book. that book, didn't you, Laura Lynn? Did uh, well, you finish oh, the book yet? I might have got through a good portion of it. I'll say that because I, you know what? I love you. I was joking. I was just kidding. I know you were. Yeah. But, but, you know, it's such a powerful book, Nehemiah. And, and uh, I do see that you have got like verses and scriptures all through it. And you're teaching us something. And since I've been awakened, um, I want to know how to battle and how to fight. Mm, Amen. So, so yeah, so I, I, I took, 9-11 9-11 down to bedrock and discovered in fact it was an inside job and it was despicable and you know we could spend we could do a marathon show right uh what pointing was out could i all, ask you like maybe just to yeah. to you know a couple of the big things that made you go hmm like something's not adding up i will give you multiple you know yeah. one look uh our uh our neighbors who are on the other side of the belief spectrum uh, like to say things like science is real. Well, okay. If science is real, how does a jetliner flying at near sea level fly about a hundred knots over its maximum possible level airspeed, uh, to ram into that building? First of all, okay. Uh, the math, it just doesn't add up. It's flying at 350 knots. It's not capable of that speed with max engine power at that altitude. Another point I'll make, and, and this was this may have been the clincher for me, Laura Lynn, was when I saw with my own eyes rivers, streams of molten steel pouring out of the side of the building. You know, steel uh, melts at, I think, 1700 degrees, something like that. And that's at least a thousand degrees hotter than an office fire, which is basically what happened when, when the fuel burned up, you know, within five minutes, it's an office fire and an office fire is roughly 500 degrees, depending on what's in the office. It ain't 1700 degrees. It doesn't make girders melt through. So that was the second thing that, and I could go on and on and on and on, but you know, the third thing, um, uh, that was a clincher for me was World Trade Center 7. And, you know, why does a 47-story tower free fall into its own footprint when it wasn't even struck by an aircraft? And there was a there were a couple of small office fires purportedly coming from a couple of windows, and then the so building, building just collapses. Seven, was it 47, um, 47 uh, floors? Building yes. 7? Oh. Yes. You know, Huge, never... massive. It was only it, it was only appeared smaller because it was next to the World Trade Center towers, oh. but it was forty seven stories. I it was gigantic, see. and it just free fell into its footprint. Right, and nobody really talked about that, did they? Like for some reason, this huge no. thing it just got kind of circumvented because the two planes fly in, and then and then this Building Seven just 
uh, oh, well, why did that fall? Uh, you know, and a lot of people don't even know about it. Yeah, well, and interesting, Laura Lynn, there was a major, I believe, FBI field office in New York, and they were conducting investigations. And when the building collapsed, it destroyed all the evidence uh, pertaining to those investigations in that office. Right. Yeah, isn't that fun? All you have to do to, to wind up your investigation is drop a 47-story building on the uh, on the FBI office. <laughs> if you've got that kind of power, right? Right, right. Yeah. So, so these things basically showed you like something's up, some, some, it doesn't all add up. And, um, and in the end, you, you started investigating everything, I guess. What, what, did it rattle your world at that point? Like, did it shake up your security? It, uh, it, it did. I, I don't know if I'd describe it that way, but it, it shook me down to my core because I had always had sort of a, and, and this is old, old fashioned version. Okay. A Disney esque view of evil, you know, so evil was kind of PG 13 and, you know, yeah, they're hateful and yeah, they, you know, they, they, they do bad stuff, but it was sort of a, a, a night at the movies, uh, you know, old fashioned, like, like, you know, 1980s, 1990s, you know, uh, old fashioned cinema version of evil. And then, but, you know, if you consider if, if there are people willing to kill thousands of people to honor Lucifer, and, and, and because don't make no mistake about it, it was a satanic ritual, okay? It was a sacrifice to their Lord, Satan. Uh, if they're willing to do that, to, to, to honor Satan and, you know, kill all these people and then r uh, ran through the Patriot Act, which just completely subverted our, uh, our constitutional rights, which we still have, by the way, just because they took them doesn't mean they're not really ours. They stole them. And then they, and then they start wars with, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan and all the money that comes from that Halliburton. Um, the, the depth of the depravity of the evil from that. And then what happened was Laura Lynn, when I, when I, when I was running that to ground on nine 11, I ran into half a dozen other, uh, so-called conspiracy theories, right? Which is a comical phrase, which is of course subliminal programming. Um, and, and so then I backtracked and I went down every one of those rabbit holes. And every, every time I did, I went, I bumped into a half a dozen more. And so I spent about a year and a half just doing deep dive research on upwards of 200 different conspiracies and, uh, you know, uh, misconceptions and mispresentations of history and outright lies and just absolute inversions of the truth. And after about 18 months, you know, my, my close friends and, and my wife would tell you that, um, you know, I, I, I didn't lose my mind, but I came kind of close because I came to realize just how dark and depraved the wicked are who would really have us all dead. Uh, and, and as someone who doesn't think like that, I'm not, I don't have a heart like that. It really shook me to the core that there are people in the world like that, and there is a being Satan. He is real. He is a you know self-aware, uh, sentient being, and he wants nothing more than just to see every last one of us cook. So you know, it's a very interesting thing that you say that when you actually look the the pure evil um, 
in 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 the dark eyes uh it it can make you feel a little unsettled unhinged and maybe like you're losing your mind and i'm wondering if that collective um experience is happening to human humanity at this hour because a real awakening's happened we've had different times in history where you call it the great awakening sometimes it's a positive thing like you know you're awakened to god or or something like that and and but I don't think that we had the ability to see pure evil. We didn't have people like Noah, Yuval Noah Harari, that were saying that you know human beings are hackable animals. We're trying to make ourselves into gods now. We we want to be part part person, part you know transhuman um, AI incorporating it all. And then to see that people talk openly about depopulation and things like that. So when when you kind of get an awakening to that. I, I would say that we all can have some dark days and I think I've experienced it in the last few years going, wow, like this is pure evil. Like all the Disney ideas of bad that, that you're talking about, I would say I, I really resonate with that comment that, oh, you know, the devil's a bad guy with a, with a fork, pitchfork in his hand and, you know, the coyote comes along and he's the bad dude and then you know but the roadrunner always outsmarts him and you can blow him up you know with this bomb and it's all almost almost cartoony but then you realize actually they're trying to kill us and that they have literally brought on things even in the last four years to really decimate populations and and then it takes away your joy in some respects your, your joy of living and you have to get through this yeah, and I'm so glad you just said that, Laura Lynn. I, that might be a Holy Spirit thing because um, when I settled pretty early on on Nehemiah as the the basis for the name of the book because of that that uh, verse just before the one you quoted at the the beginning of the show. It says, uh, "With one hand they they built with a trowel, and their other hand was on their sword." And so they, it's a picture of building, restoring, strengthening defenses collaboratively as a community. And yet their other hand was on the sword. And I'm, I'm getting goosebumps all over me while I'm talking about this. Um, and, and that's how we have to be. We have to collaborate. We have to prepare. We have to build our defenses. We have to be wise as serpents, but yet be constantly prepared for an attack and to defend that which we love, which you quoted uh, before we started recording, you said, you know, fight for your neighbors, fight for your wives, fight for your sons and daughters. And, and we're in that season right now. But what you said about stealing our joy, in Nehemiah chapter 8, Nehemiah exhorts the people after the, re the rebuilding of the wall to, to, to throw a great feast. And he wants to celebrate, and he wants to glorify the Lord with this celebration. And the people are... They've had a rough go. <laughs> they don't. They don't feel like celebrating, but Nehemiah exhorts them. And 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 I hope your uh, the audience listening to us now hears me when I say he exhorts them and he says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so so I one of the one of the most powerful gifts I think I've been given since I was shook down to my core was to have eyes to see that so much of what is happening now is is an attack it, it it is a form of warfare but it's very sophisticated it's not bombs and bullets which obviously would alert you and everybody would would get alert and we grab our so firearms and we get after it it's much more subtle than that and it's a form of attack designed 
to not alert us to the fact that we are under attack. But that that stealing of our joy through a thousand different avenues, like teaching kids you can be a different gender. Our enemy wants to steal our joy because it, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so as we are journeying through this season of affliction, nothing short of that, we're passing through the valley of the shadow of death that David wrote about in Psalm 23, we have to hold on to that joy knowing and, and this is what drives Satan nuts, right? Is Jesus won this battle already. It's already won. He won it at the cross 2000 years ago. And all we have to do is to remain faithful, to keep our eyes on him and to go forward. And, and as it says in the book of Daniel chapter 11, be strong and do exploits because Daniel prophesied about believers in the last days, God's right. people. Those who know their God said, will be strong and do great exploits great yeah. exploits. The, mm -hmm. He's talking about us. Let's let's get busy and fulfill that prophecy. Let's be in that cloud of witnesses that fulfills that prophecy that we do great exploits to honor our God, having confidence in him and and hanging on to that joy, not letting the enemy steal that joy. That's so that's so amazing and it's also so very critical to this hour because every single day we're getting really bad news like you've got the united nations and they're trying to get all of the nations of the world together to have a global response to the next pandemic and then you go wow you responded so badly last time uh the last thing we need is you all getting on the same page you know to do who knows what to us the next time and um are these the things that you began seeing like um did you begin seeing that the enemies he's very you know he's uh, he's a serpent he's very he's very cunning and conniving and his schemes have gotten more brutal as history has gone on i guess he knows his times are short are these the things mm -hmm. that you felt we need to prepare for this and and what do you think how do we prepare and what do you see coming well that's uh let me, let me go back to that season, 2013, 2014. So I was shaken down to my core. I, I explored nearly 200 different uh, elements of Satan's cunning and his strategies and his you know desire to turn the world into Mars, basically, tohu vi bohu, without form and void, Genesis 1-2. And, uh, and so I was shaken. Now, when I was... Uh, fairly afraid, which I'm not prone to fear. Uh, that's when I got saved. Because here's the thing, Laura Lynn, I knew that the good had to had to outshine had to be greater than the evil. Otherwise, this would already be done. Like we wouldn't be sitting here talking about it. And yet look at us. Here we are, we're talking about it, we're exposing them, right. And so so that really shook me up in my life. And so I went on a journey. First of all, I ran to the cross because I, I knew I knew Jesus was the answer. I just wasn't ready to bend my knee. And uh, but so I ran to the cross, I laid it at the cross. And but then I said, here I am, Lord, send me. And so he started me, it was almost like a walk of Gideon. He started me with a season of counter abortion work. And that was uh, pretty intense. I mean, that's intense spiritual warfare stuff, but also very rewarding. Uh, when you see these, you know, children saved from the fire right before your eyes. 
um, went from there and I actually did several years of, of counter human trafficking, satanic ritual abuse work uh, with Russ Dizdar, who at the time was one of the most, the foremost, you know, spiritual warfare warriors and leaders, you know, on the planet and ran with Russ and his SIIU team for several years. And that was, that was an eye opener. Right. Is, is <laughs> there really satanic ritual uh, abuse going on in, in the sex trafficking world? Like uh, you can attest to that. Oh, it's, it is, it is, uh, it is so pervasive. The fact that, that we would even ask the question, uh, is, is frankly a, a testament to how capable they've been of keeping this gigantic machine, uh, under wraps as well as they have for so long. I mean, it is, it is, it is absolutely gigantic. And, and the number of lives that are getting chewed up and spit out in that machine is, uh, is breathtakingly, shockingly huge. You know, John, that it's, might it's, be, uh, it's it might be why they're trying to they're trying to hide this uh you know this flight log right of um oh yeah but you know the flight log i mean that's that's just for the the elite the the people who are who are puppeteered and who are under control but i mean in terms of numbers that's just that's not even one drop in the bucket you know in terms of numbers the the real machine is is just spread out all over it's top to bottom it's pervasive it's it is just uh gigantic that that's just the little elite pocket to to create the puppets and then you know the puppet masters get what they want right yes uh well well we're watching all of these things they want everything hidden and uh I, you know i think i'm a little bit surprised lately that there's just so much sexual perversion that that has been something that has seized some of these top echelons like they are actually governed by their sexual appetite and so they they're, they will do many, many atrocities in order to bring that about. They have not, I mean, the word of God instructs us to bring those things under control that, that, you know, God made us in a certain way, but that it can get hijacked by the enemy. And then once you get going down a, a sexually deviant uh, path, you'll do a lot, just like an addiction to try to hide that uh, from the world and the enemy knowing you know, knowing us, knowing humanity, the depravity of our hearts has uh, brought about many ways where these things are going on. And I'm pretty shocked at it. You know, just in the last few days, you've, you've had two, you know, gay dudes that have had sex in, in the, uh, the Capitol, one of those Capitol building places. And I, you know, I don't think they're going to get tried the way that some of the J6ers uh, have had to face time in jail for, you know, putting their feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk or whatever but like there's just so much perversion people are getting caught out in their perversion and imagine if you know flight logs are going to reveal things about judges and and politicians and people of noteworthy you know reputations um it, it's horrifying for them and i bet some people are having sleepless nights right now over all of that yeah and you know I, i've heard steve quayle say more than once that uh you know before the end comes before the missiles fly that he's going to show the sins of the leaders to the people and the sins of the of the people to an angry god and uh it's it's as if you can see that happening in real time as we speak right you can almost see even with hunter biden and 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 the the laptop and the um the corruption that might be you know is being 
exposed through the Biden family, sharing millions and millions of dollars coming from these countries. They get they get money into one account and then they're writing a check for that same amount over to another family member. And oh, it has nothing to do with Joe. You know, um, Joe's got everything he needs. He's probably not looking for any more bucks in his bank account. He's pretty wealthy uh, and living the good life and, and you know, pretending uh, that he's uh, actually functioning. And but you see this corruption being exposed. So that might be part of it. And maybe that's part of end times where. We do see evil exposed. I pray for that because for uh, I think what makes us crazy, we were talking about what makes evil even worse is when we don't see justice. And and mm. when we don't see justice, that's a bad feeling. Yeah. And, and but I'll, I'll tell you what, what I find so reassuring, Laura Lynn, is that the Lord assures us over and over and over in his word that justice is coming and in fact on my uh on my phone i have a screensaver that is uh quoted from habakkuk and it basically says uh, keep on waiting it will come and it's referring mm -hmm. to god's judgment and his justice and um yeah. and it, it is coming and i think that's part of why satan is so uh amped up and so enraged because he knows the clock is ticking and god's not going to wait on him he's going to have one window with his antichrist and and that window's coming and he better be ready to do with it whatever he is going to be doing because when that window opens it's going to shut just as fast as it opens so when you you chose nehemiah why why nehemiah what what did it say to you well, you know, what's interesting about that is I, it started with that single verse about building with a trowel in one hand and their other hand was on the sword. But there were so many other elements of Nehemiah that echoed to me uh, pertaining to this time we live in and what I was trying to uh, give to people in, in my work. Because I, I spent about two years writing that book. It's 480 pages and it, it took a while. Uh, but, and I had never written a book before. So, so this was the first effort. But um, you know, there's there's the other scripture that that speaks to fighting for your wives, for your sons, your daughters, your neighbors. There's a scripture that speaks to um, uh, uh, the joy of the Lord is our strength. It is a very it's a very timely story about courage and restoration and standing up against evil uh, in a time that requires men and also women to stand up and to stand in the gap and to resist the evil because you know one of the things that disturbs me most in this season laura lynn isn't now that i understand the depth and the depravity of the wicked uh led by the wicked one himself satan who israel um is not so much that the wicked are evil. I mean, I, now that I understand the depth and depravity of that, okay, got it. You're jet black. You want me dead. Got it. Uh, it's the weakness of mostly men in this season to not recognize the danger, recognize the evil, recognize where it's going to take us and to stand up and righteously and lawfully get in this fight and resist the evil, call it out by name and stand in the gap. Because this is like 1930s Germany, Laura Lynn. This is, this is the time when, you know, our, our respective nations hang in the balance and what we do in these coming weeks, these coming months will echo through history because 
now now is the time you know it's like it's like in the 30s in nazi germany if you're wondering what you would have done it's whatever you're doing now because th this time is that time wow i i think that's a, a very good point because we're all seeing this lack of discernment like we thought we'd be on the same side as we progress as, as you know our our brother who we've been going to to church with for all these years, you know, our spiritual brother, or we thought that yeah. our family members would see things the same way, or we thought so-and-so who's an esteemed pastor at this church would see things with a discerning eye and, and people are showing up to be not able to see what's happening. And what, what do you attribute that to? I, I, it's, you know, you spoke to it earlier that, that Satan is the subtlest of the creatures in the garden. He's, he's even more subtle than he was before then, than he was then because he's had 6,000 more years to get even more subtle. We know that he's going to come with a great deception that Jesus said is going to be so great that it would deceive even the elect if it were possible. And so yes. we can praise God that it's not going to be possible, right? But Amen. he is he is so deceptive and his 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 range i never really thought about it this way before laura lynn but his his horizon is millennia you know he he has been around for untold millions of years you know before the creation of time and and so his he's not he's not like public companies in america now that are worried about the next quarter you know he's thinking a hundred years down the road he's thinking a thousand years down the road and so what we're experiencing now is the culmination of literally millennia of planning since Jesus bested him on the Mount of Olives. He's been he's been working toward this hour for 2000 years and he has he's had 2000 years to develop his play his playbook, his game plan and to roll out these deceptions and I think the weakness of men in this season and I'm embarrassed to admit it myself. I was like that before I got woken up. Uh, I, I think we've been put to sleep by just a waterfront of uh, primarily social factors mm -hmm. that have led to us, uh, frankly, thinking about old-fashioned masculinity as being a bad thing. And it absolutely is not because those are the men who took the take the wicked and they they kick them out of town or worse. And, and you got to have them because you know, you've got the wolves. You've got to have the sheepdogs too. I really appreciate that. You know, we've turned men into just such weaklings. Uh, we've derided male masculinity and now nobody even wants to join the military. Uh, well, I mean, they're trying to teach him about pronouns in the military and, and this is making strong men gag and make them feel sick and they don't want to fight for this country that's now getting involved as well in all kinds of wars that make everybody wonder what is really going on. It's about enriching people's and lining people's pockets rather than true, truly fighting against or for, you know, right or good or evil because, you know, you're fighting with evil, <laughs> the most corrupt country in the world, uh, you know, the Ukraine. And like people are very upset about this and we have derided men and we've taken away their masculinity and we've taken away the, their voice and now, um, you know, I just saw Obama, I want to, you know, tell everyone that I saw Obama's movie. Um, it's called um, Leave, the Leave the World Behind. Is that it or something? And yep. uh, 
they literally out and out the the young girl for a, a couple really disturbing things in this movie uh the young girl um basically says to her dad we don't want to let white men you know be ruling and I, I i'm like i'm in shock how are you saying this when when you're you're racially discriminating against white people just openly and we have not been racially discriminating against black people or brown people or any color we've we've been such a a welcoming kind and beautiful north america canada has welcomed people and now um we're finding violent factions now rising up in the middle of our cities across north america and we've got these movies that put out this stuff and also uh she makes a very derogatory thing about how this uh the husband of uh Julia Roberts um how he's you know he basically uh, that he was sexually coming on to her and that was not the case she actually was giving off vibes herself in the movie so like it's all so sick and and it's all got this stuff and they're throwing it in to make the white dude look insane and bad um and this racial slurring that's happening and it, it's disturbing well, and and think of it as predictive programming, Laura Lynn, because right. the, this is like a tiny little glimpse into the adult brain of Barack Obama, right? Yeah. Because he was a supporter of it, and as I understand it, he actually provided edits to the screenplay, you know, with his background, uh, so-called. So, so we're getting a little bit of glimpse into a red diaper baby, born and bred, hyper Marxist. Uh, Satanist who is going to be just really delighted to see any portion of that movie come to fruition. And, it, you know, so, but I'll, I'll give him due credit that I believe that he believes a lot of the things he puts into that movie, right? In terms of the, the, the uh, castigation of white men, for example, pick, pick your, pick, pick your poison. But, um, but it is, not only is it predictive programming trying to let's say program blacks who watch the movie to say hey you know whites are evil whites hate you whites took all your money whatever which is you know patently untrue for 99.9 percent .9 of us otherwise he would never have been president i might point out but even beyond that laura lynn i think one of the most disturbing parts of that movie is it, it it's a dystopian hellhole of a movie but you know, for him, it's not just predictive, it's aspirational, right? He doesn't just foresee that it's going to happen. He desires for it to happen. And because of the position he held for eight years, he actually went a long way toward actually making it happen. So in terms of responsibility for uh, America hitting really hard times here in the coming year or two, he had a big hand in it. And so, right. so in a sense, you could almost view the movie as his bragging about the soon to be fall of America. Well, you know, John, they say that uh, one of the, the things that the bad people do, or even Satan himself, is he kind of, uh, he, he kind of puts it out there about what they're going to do. And um, it was, it was sort of enlightening to me. I thought, you know, we really need to be prepared for a complete communication blackout, for one thing. That is a possibility. So 
Uh, it made me think about that. It made me think about making sure that we've got enough water and food to sustain ourselves for uh, an amount of time. But I imagine that these globalists who talk openly about uh, bringing the world's population from 8 billion down to 1 billion, maybe 500,000 would, would be their preference. Uh, you know, and we should start with their families. But um, the, the one thing that I see that they, they do is uh, it's kind of put out there about the ways that they can, can harm us and, and what can actually transpire. And maybe we need to be prepared, but the, the word of God does say, uh, you're a man of the word and you know that unless the Lord shortened the time, um, there wouldn't be anyone left. So clearly things are about to get a little bit nutsy, you know, as we get closer to end times. But I think you're stressing that there needs to be the joy and, and all of that. But I, I believe that without knowledge, the people perish. So when we see them showing themselves to be the, the psychopaths that they are, we need to believe them and we need to govern ourselves accordingly. Yeah, let's, let's take them at their word. When, when they effectively say that we'd like to kill nearly all of you, what they're really saying is we, we want to kill all of you, right? Yeah. We just want ourselves left. Um, we should take them at their word and say, okay, you know, I, I believe you and I'm going to respond accordingly to your threat of destroying me and everyone I love. But, uh, you know, and, and, and what we're circling back to on a long circle is, um, is why I wrote this book, because God really laid it on my heart. I, you know, and, and what I, I've really just enjoyed getting to know watchmen on the wall like yourself, Laura Lynn, who are waking people up and alerting people and sharing news and, and opening people's eyes to say, hey, wake up, wake up, wake up. You know, this is happening on, on all, all these different waterfronts. Um, I felt really compelled. Uh, I, I, I'm sort of a fix-it guy. You know, when I, when I hear about a problem, my first instinct is, okay, how do we go fix it? And what I wanted to put together for people was a, uh, really almost like a, like a military field manual. Okay, if you're a believer, you are on a spiritual warfare battlefield, okay? That doesn't matter where you are, you're on it, okay? Whether you accept that or not, you're on it. If you're on it, your best outcome is to have the deepest, richest, broadest understanding of, first of all, where you're at and, and, and this environment you find yourself in, but then, okay, what can you do about it? And, and that was my goal in my two-year effort writing Nehemiah Strong, this was to answer the question for a believer, you know, new believer, old believer, what do I do now? And that's why, you know, what's interesting, Laura Lynn, I didn't set out to write a work that would go so far as to feel so far afield as to talk about both a knock on the door from uh, self-described public servants to hardcore spiritual warfare in the spirit, you know, battling the demonic in real time. Uh, but that's what I did because that's what God laid on my heart it's going to look like that whole spectrum. It's going to be very kinetic and real world and physical realm. And it's going to be very spiritual, spiritual realm, spiritual demonic forces cascading into this natural realm. And we have to have a broad enough understanding, first of all, but then uh, a broad enough uh, skill set and toolbox to uh, stand and occupy and overcome and fulfill Daniel's scripture for us to be strong and do exploits.
I love it. And, and, you know, um, thank you for giving us so much time. I don't, I don't want to, uh, uh, use up, um, too, too much. I know you're a very busy person, but I appreciate you, um, giving us this insight. A couple of things that, um, I personally really, um, I, I feel like the Lord taught me about this was when I'm having a really negative a moment and a, a down, like a depressed feeling, or I'm upset or mm. I'm discouraged that that is literally an attack. It's not just my own mind, right? Yes. And so I also uh, began realizing that the the Lord instructed me, you know, quietly, I've never heard his audible voice, but um, he instructed me not to say out loud what I was thinking or feeling, not to give the enemy any intel on what I'm battling so that, and that rather I would just speak praises to God. I would just speak about how powerful God is, how good God is, how he wars for me, how he is my shield and buckler. Just saying stuff like that out loud in a room when I'm down actually stops because the, the word says, if we resist the enemy, then he flees from us. And so some of these spiritual tactics are what we have to get pretty serious about in the days ahead as the enemy tries to discourage us with depopulation tactics and things blowing up and wars and rumors of wars. Amen. And, you know, just to, to reiterate something or reinforce something you just said, that I think is profoundly important, Laura Lynn. The words that we speak are incredibly powerful, whether for good or for evil. And so we should be really circumspect about what we say. And, and to your point, uh, you know, for example, talking about the little victories of the enemy, let's say in ruining your day or ruining your spirit or whatever, you're just speaking into existence and reinforcing that, uh, let's say that little victory, although we know no weapon formed against us will prosper, right? Um, it, likewise, you know, th think about it. We are little Christs, right? We are Christians. And the entire universe was spoken into existence, right? God's entire uh, uh, ministry on, here on the earth when he came first was uh, was filled with speech, right? Confronting the wicked and lifting up the poor and the destitute, the the uh, the afflicted, calling out the dead, right? He did it with his spoken word, and so we need to to ex, uh, exercise that sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We would do well to praise God, to speak his words. Like for example, no weapon formed against me will prosper. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strength, strengthens me. And I, I've tried to jam back a bunch of those enabling, empowering, towering scriptures into, into the- I don't uh, think there's the gonna book. be room for the enemy to get you if you've got this book sitting beside <laughs> your bed, everybody. And you just, you know, if you're going through anything, you can, you can open any single, uh, you know, page and start to get, uh, you know, uh, the power of, of the, the living word into your heart and soul so that you can fight. And I appreciate that. And Nehemiah's instruction and his battle, like this, this wasn't a powerful guy full of uh, necessarily physical weapons, although he did tell them to get their swords and to stand, you know, and to, to protect their families. And um, in our day and age, that would be spiritual swords. Um, but in the United States, at least you have, you know, you've got the Second Amendment, right, which gives you these laws uh, of protection with guns. But in Canada, they're trying to take all our guns away. And if 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 I were to shoot an intruder today, I would go to jail. Like 
That's what would happen. Ugh. If I were someone who comes to kill my family, and if I were to shoot them, then I, I would be the one uh, going to jail in our country. Like, we're totally backwards, and, and so we have a problem there. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, and these things that you're talking about is spiritual warfare where you literally, you're able, like, the power of prayer has really, um, t to me, been... Um, it's been highlighted and increased lately as I realize that it's just too big for me to fight with words or fight with my own brain or fight with my own knowledge. I just, I'm not able to do it. You know, these things come at us. We have addictions that come at us. These are all lies from the enemy. We have very disturbing thoughts. Um, there was, there's someone on a prayer feed that I'm on today praying for um, a, you know, a family friend who's, who's taking his life today. He's ordered made. Um, which is this a medical assisted suicide and yeah. he's getting it today and it's out on the prayer lines to please pray for him to to not make that he's 30 he's in his 30s and these things we can only fight through prayer we can only pray you know I've got another friend very sick right now just really need an intervention so this mm. means a lot and uh, John I can see that you're on the right cusp of equipping us to be able to um, overcome in this next battle that we're up against. Well, and and Laura Lynn, uh, along the lines that you were just touching on, one of the things that my eyes were really open to since 2014, and particularly doing the spiritual warfare walk with Russ Dizdar, God rest his soul, because the enemy took him off the battlefield two years ago, is uh, is just how powerful we can be. It, I think one of the greatest deceptions of the enemy in this time is to make us think we're weak, to make us think that we have no options, to make us think that we're impotent. And the opposite is true, right? If we had the faith of a mustard seed, we could say to that mountain, cast ye into the into the sea, and, and it would happen that very same moment, right? And so, and, and that's not hyperbole. We just don't understand <laughs> how great our power is, and Satan is counting on that. And so if we would just seek God's face and open our minds, open our eyes and ears, open our spirit to God to say, Lord, what would you have me do? He might have you go and, and shut down an abortion clinic just with prayer, just with presence. He might have you, and I'm, I'm speaking particularly on prayer, um, Laura Lynn, because I was, uh, I got a piece of spiritual warfare and, and my knee basically blew up as a product of spiritual warfare. And I, I've, I felt like God let that happen because I was in a moment of pride, which I've been <laughs> subject to before. And, and so I was humbled. I was in bed. My, my leg was locked out in a brace for seven or eight weeks. And I was in a pretty poor state. And then just very subtly, very quietly, God gave me just this massive, massively uh massively expanded prayer or vision for prayer if you will and so i was on my knees for an hour and a half at a time i was sobbing i was praying i was praying these gigantic prayers i was praying imprecatory prayer against the wicked and their strongholds i was praying for god to send down his angels to bless these people to go against these this wickedness and if it's true like it says in james that the fervent effectual prayers of a righteous man availeth much I don't know how big much is, mm -hmm. but I want to put God to the test in that. Okay, God, you say much. 
I want to see how much I'm going to pray so huge. I'm going to open up a football stadium sized window for you to pour much out on blessing people, tearing down these strongholds, making a way for your people. Uh, and, and frankly, if, if nobody remembers anything from our chat, but this, I would say challenge yourself in this new year to pray gigantic prayers of provision of glorifying God of thanksgiving. God loves a thankful believer and, and go ahead and ask for him to, to bring provision, but, but ask for him to, to come against these strongholds of the wicked, to cause them to trip over all the, the stumbling blocks that lay, they lay before our feet, let them fall and break their teeth, falling over their own stumbling blocks. Let them step into the, the pits that they dug for us and, and ask him to, to, if he is the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabaoth, let him send his warring angels to come against the wicked in their strongholds and to do uh, irre irreversible damage to the strongholds of the enemy and on and on and on. And if, uh, you know, I'm convinced Laura Lynn, if we prayed like that, a, a, a remnant of the remnant, if we prayed like that, we would see God move in ways we can't even imagine. This is so powerful. And uh, you know, um, uh, I resonate with it because one of the prayers I've been praying for many years, for many years, I say, God, make my life so exciting. I just can't stand it. Like I want, <laughs> I want it to be epic. Like when I leave, I go, I lived life like through the highs and the lows, the hirings and the firings, right? The, the plenty and the loss that it was just so profoundly epic that I was never bored. I do have, I like, I really fear boredom. I really do. I don't know why I just can't wow. be bored. I can't stand it. But that's different than having time quiet. I love my quiet time with God. That is not boring. And you're mm. so right, John, you're giving us a principle here and you're right. If, if no one remembered anything that we talked about, but that their prayer life, they can begin to ask specifically for God to increase like the prayer of Jabez. Oh, that you would bless me, enlarge my territory so that I can do great things and not cause others pain. Like, so I can be an influence. So I can take what you've given me, like give us a voice, God, help us, help us to see the destruction of the enemy in our day. Help us to see justice come in its time, in God's time, you know, and, and pray these, um, and people are dealing with all kinds of things. They, there's uh, people write me about marital problems they're going through, addiction problems, financial issues, and all of these just encompassing ourselves with these prayers that you're talking about. And your book, um, you know, Life-Sustaining Essentials for a Season of Trial. This is awesome. And I, I want to put up your website, too, uh, just so that everyone knows exactly. We've had your, um, you know, johndislin.com. Um, I hope I'm saying your name right. Am I? You are. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So, um, so me, Nehemiah Strong, everyone, johndislin.com, um, a wake up call to the redeemed. And, uh, you know, seeing all of the things you have so many people that have actually given you such, uh, accolades over your book, including one of our favorites, Alec, uh, Alex Newman. But I mm -hmm. see that you've, you've prepared a battle book. You've given people a book that will tell them um, exactly what to do in the event of a, you know, a, of a fiery trial. And I think that we're all in a fiery trial, even if our lives are pretty much set and 
we're okay. Um, when when leaders and the WHO and the UN and the WEF and Klaus Schwab um, are planning our demise, we're in a trial. And if we don't know it, we should, you know? Well, yeah. And, uh, you know, now it's almost like uh, COVID was a, was a distant memory. But, you know, I remember driving through the ghost town of Atlanta, Georgia, when everybody was so terrified they weren't even on the roads. Right. And just marveling, you know, it was like a, it was like one of these dystopian movies where you wake up and you're the only, you know, living human <laughs> yeah. on the planet. It, it looked just like that like, on a Tuesday everyone? morning. Yeah, that's right. So if that doesn't wake you up, or let's say the yeah. died suddenly massive uh, excess death extravaganza yeah. that the uh, that the globalist Luciferians uh, unleashed through a pack of lies and a uh, mutagenic uh, experimental injection on the world. I mean, if those won't wake you up, what will wake you up, right? When you, when you, when you go to the funeral of your neighbor, like I did, this precious woman, and, you know, and, and now her husband's left alone to raise her two daughters, um, you know, that ought to wake you up. And, and, and then, but then the question is, and that's why I wrote the book, now what do I do? And it's time to get busy and and get kinetic and get active, and to stand up and 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 fight like Nehemiah said: fight, fight for your sons and daughters, fight for your wives, fight for your neighbors, fight for your communities. Amen. Um, I always end my show with scripture, and uh, today I'm going to be sharing with everyone from Isaiah 36. But it was basically the fight against Sennacherib, uh, the king of Assyria, and. Uh, it, it was just so compelling to my heart today as I saw the battle. It was, it's very similar to today. And they and it, it was prayer. It was prayer. Like they said, what are we going to do? And in this story, oh, I'll give away the punchline, but basically the angel of the Lord comes in and he wipes out 100,000 of them, basically. Like the, the angel just steps in and takes care of it. Like the people of God, all they had to do was pray. God did the warfare. The literal, physical violence was done by the angels of God, not man. And so that's Amen. how powerful prayer is, right? That it, it brings us there. So I'll give you the final word. Um, we encourage everyone to go and get your book. Thank you very much for my personal copy. Uh, I'm blessed by that. And that's going to go on my little pile of books that I have, um, where, you know, when I'm having my time with the Lord at different moments, yeah, he's, JT's lifting up pile of little books I have here, but uh, when I have my time with the Lord, what I do is I try to find, um, you know, something the Lord's leading me to. And I, I just think I'm going to be spending time just, uh, you know, soaking this up. So I appreciate you. And I'll give you the final word. Wow. Well, you know, it's, it, it is a, uh, it was my best effort to your effort uh, to provide a full spectrum response to this full spectrum uh, fifth generation satanic warfare that we're all subject to. But I will say that far and away, the, the most impactful elements of the work that I wrote were to encourage people to get right with the Lord, to seek God's face, to, to get on your knees and pray, to be in his word, to, to seek that, uh, that secret place of the most high that we are ideally to dwell in and uh and ultimately to have our lives squared away with jesus because 
without that, all the preps in the world are going to be absolutely worthless. But yeah. with that, it, it almost it's almost as if it doesn't matter what your preps are. And I'm not encouraging people not to prepare. OK, yeah, but have if some you water. get We're that, not saying don't get water, but <laughs> absolutely. And a few other end. things. Right. Yeah. Down here in the States, I'd say get some ARs, get some 556, five, you know, <laughs> but um, but uh, if you get that squared away and you are walking with the Lord and he knows your name, he knows you, he has a relationship with you and he knows you because you've sought his face, then you've got nothing to fear because he paid it all. He won the he won the victory at Calvary when he said to tell us die. It is finished. And he's coming back to redeem his saints and to claim his bride. And all we have to do between now and then is to persevere. Mm. And, and we know we can. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So be strengthened, get right with Jesus, and then, and then do what he leads you to do to, uh, to, to charge the gates of hell, because it's going to be a wild ride. I love it. I love it. John Dislin, you're an amazing person. Please write another book. Uh, and uh, we'll all be getting this one. So I encourage the audience to check it out. It's, uh, it's absolutely fantastic what you've got in here. So bless your heart. Thank you for standing strong. Let's do this again, John. You're, an, you're really a, a fascinating guest. Thank you. Ah, thank you, Laura Lynn. Thanks again for having me and God bless you. Psalm 91 blessings over you, your family, all your endeavors, and the people who follow you and are listening as well. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. You know what just struck me when he said, uh, um, you know, when God knows you? Um, he said that about two minutes ago and I went, yeah, like, you know, because the word says that in the end, all these people will say, I did this and this for you, Lord. I did all of this. And God says, I never knew you. Do you know who God knows? The person knocking on his door every morning. Did you want to talk, God? Can I talk to you about what's happening? Can I just praise you and thank you because I love you so much because you're so cool and you're so incredible. And, you know, I appreciate everything about you. That's who God, uh, that's who he knows at the end. He can't say, oh, I never knew them because... You were there all the time saying, God, what do you have to say to me? You know, um, uh, what do you want me to do? And, and you're giving all of your problems. You're laying it before him. When the enemy comes against you like a flood that, that you go to God and you say, God, I need your armor and I need your support. God knows you then because you've taken time to build a solid relationship with him. And I just heard him say those words and then I, I didn't want to go on and on with him. You know, I've already kept him so long. He's such a, you know, he's a very busy man in here. He's given us so much time today. And that, that was just, you know, you gotta live a life so profound that God knows who you are because you're just in his face. You're just talking to him. You're there. You want his help. You're seeking him. If you're struggling with anything, if you're battling anything, you're like, God help me. And he sure does. He sure does. It's not always when we want him to, you know, and I, I do talk to him about that. Sometimes the storm's raging pretty bad before he says, peace be still. <laughs> He's asleep in the bottom of the boat. But nonetheless, I think that if Jesus is ever asleep in the bottom of the boat during your storm, you don't need to worry because nothing's taking you out. He's asleep. It's okay. If Jesus is asleep, we should sleep more often, you know, and uh, he's able to stop that storm and calm that storm at a whim. 
Um, so the Hamas leader, uh, Ghazi Hamad, um, he's, oh, beautifully thanking Canada uh, for calling for a ceasefire. And, um, yeah, take a look. By Canada, Australia, and New Zealand backing sustainable ceasefire in Gaza. We welcome these developments and consider them in the right direction toward isolation the fascist, fascist Israeli government globally and ending the longer ever occupation in our modern time. So this is the Hamas dude. He's so grateful for our help. Well, you know, Hamas killed eight Canadians at least during October 7th. And they tied children up. They killed kids in front of their families. They killed parents in front of their children. Uh, they gutted uh, at least one pregnant woman stabbing the baby outside of her body. These are our vicious psychopaths. Uh, the videos there, um, I am not going to encourage my audience to go and watch the video. Uh, from what I understand, anyone who goes and watches the 47 minutes of Hamas video taken by Hamas you know, body cams, um, it's, it's a troubling thing to have seen and I don't recommend hurting your brain and your psyche in that manner. But we have already aired the clip of this, this same guy calling for the eradication of all Jews. I'm not sure how we reach a ceasefire with someone who's decided that they want to eradicate all the Jews. And then let's not forget the guy in our province, British Columbia, we aired him yesterday. He's an imam in Victoria, British Columbia. Oh, it's not just the Jews, but it's also the atheists. So I sent that to a couple of atheist friends, uh, letting them know they're they're not out of the woods. You know, they're they're here, right? <laughs> they're on the list. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, Dr. Uh, Inat Wilf speaking in Geneva on the UN agency uh, UNWRA. Take a look. The United Nations Relief and Works Agency. It started seventy years ago with several hundreds of thousands of Arab refugees from a war that they waged to prevent the state of Israel from coming into being. And look how successful UNRWA has become. Today it counts 5.5 million refugees from a war that ended 70 years ago. This is what it's doing. Why is it doing it? This is absurd. Generation after generation after generation, it allows Palestinians to continue to believe that they are still refugees from Palestine. And where do these refugees from Palestine live? in the West Bank, under the Palestinian Authority, in Gaza. Certainly by their vision, they live in Palestine. So if they live in Palestine, how are they refugees from Palestine? Oh. They know. They know which Palestine they are refugees from. The Palestine from the river to the sea. The Palestine that one day will be free. 
Free of what? Free of Jews in their mind. That's the Palestine from the river to the sea. So they live in Ramallah and they live in Gaza, but they view themselves as refugees from a Palestine that will replace Israel. And the UN supports that. Switzerland, Italy, Belgium, all the countries you come from, France, they fund that. One of the greatest uh, things that I've gained um, in the last, literally the last month and a half since th this attack is an understanding from our incredible guests, from uh, George Antonios, who's been on, from uh, Pastor Giulio Gabelli and his son, who was there on, on October 7th, was there in Israel, um, and them explaining the history and literally the Arabs uh, rejecting Palestinians, the Jordanians rejecting Palestinians, Egypt rejects Palestinians, and, and then the Jews not rejecting them, but giving them Gaza in 2005, removing all the Jews and their graves and giving them the land. Also further to that, many offers for another you know, state where they could be given the West Bank, 97% of it. They, they've rejected all of that. And they just want to be free. And like she said, free of what? Free of the Jews. When people say that Israel is occupying, that, you know, I got to tell you something. We had a guest that was coming on uh, the other day. And, and while we're warming up for the show, I won't say who it is, um, they bring up Israel. And, ta and starts talking about them being occupiers. Well, you know, I have a little bit to say about that, right? Well, we had like about four or five mi more minutes of conversation and they refused to speak to me anymore and said, you know, goodbye. And that was, that was our interview. It was gone. And I was like, yep, you know, I didn't say goodbye. I didn't say, you, you know, I'm not talking to you because you believe such and such. I just gave him facts. And the more facts I laid down, the more truth that I put in front of this deceived gentleman, the more angry he got. And he was just furious and irate. And uh, I have some difficult conversations I've had in other interviews as well, actually, that, we've, that we're going to be airing over the holidays. Um, and these conversations are difficult, but I think that we have to tell the truth. And we have to do it boldly, uh, without reservation, speak the truth in love. And let people know that, that there are facts that they will not be getting from their crazy videos, these uh, pro-Palestinian, um, you know, pro-Hamas people that can't even say that Hamas is a terrorist faction. We have people, very well-bred people in Canada who've been here a long time. Their families came many years ago, and they cannot bring themselves, even as Canadian cultured Immigrants, they cannot bring themselves to call Hamas and Hezbollah terrorists. And I'm not sure where we've all missed the page on nonviolent living, but it's not there. So look at this video of some Hamas supporters basically um, calling, uh, calling out loudly as uh, children are there to visit Santa Claus. Kids are scared. Imagine what the kids in Palestine are doing. Hosta! 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 
whether he was saying Jesus was Palestinian. Yes. That's, it sounds like that's what they were saying. So um, let's move on. Um, Fox News report on the Colorado Supreme Court voting to remove Donald Trump. Let me just say before we move on from that, though, can you imagine if any of us went and protested and yelled and scared little kids, scared little Palestinian kids or little Iranian kids at a, you know, at a, a social thing that they were doing. And we all gathered around and we're protesting something. We're smashing on things. You know, think of how scared our children are. If your kids are scared now, think of our, uh, you know, like it's almost a little bit crazy and it's alarming that they think this is okay. And it's in our country. And it's disturbing. We do love peace in Canada. And we do want peace. When people act non-peaceful, violent. Now, I'm a, I'm a big protester about stuff. I'm a big mouth. I, I say things that I feel. But I have yet to scare children. I do not promote violence against anyone. I do think there's a time for war. If you've got heinous, sick psychopaths who want to kill you and destroy you, then it's a time for war. This behavior here, I hope that you're all writing your MP liberal or conservative, send them this video and we should put it in the description or something or maybe, I don't know if we can, I know, do you know what? It's on my, it's, if you want this video, it's on my Twitter, at uh, Laura Lynn TT, my Twitter, you can go get it or on X. Let me say that correctly now. It's called X. Uh, I have an X there. Uh, you can go see my tweet on X and you can send that to your MP and say, what the living, breathing nightmare is going on in our Canada. Now I'm ready for the Fox News report on the Colorado Supreme Court. They have, of course, you've heard, I'm sure, voted to remove Donald Trump as a candidate off of the Colorado ballot. Donald Trump has just been kicked off the ballot in Colorado. The Colorado Supreme Court ruled that Donald Trump engaged in an insurrection against the United States on January 6th, and under the 14th Amendment, He's constitutionally prohibited from holding office. Therefore, Donald Trump's name will not appear on the ballot 
of the Republican primary in Colorado and therefore not appear on the ballot in the general election in Colorado. That is, unless the U.S. Supreme Court takes the case. Donald Trump will be appealing the ruling, and the Supreme Court has until January 4th to announce if it will take it. We expect the Supreme Court to hear it before this Colorado thing sets a precedent and affects Trump's ballot access in other states. The Colorado lawsuit was filed by a Soros-funded outlet, decided by an all-Democrat-appointed Supreme Court, and the Democrat Colorado Secretary of State, within a split second, was celebrating on MSNBC. Look, I believe he incited the insurrection. There were big questions around Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, and the Colorado Supreme Court has weighed in in a very loud way. Section 3 of the 14th Amendment has to apply to the presidency, because if not, it's a get-out-of-jail-free card. The Trump campaign responded to the lawsuit just now, saying, quote, Democrat Party leaders are in a state of paranoia over the growing, dominant lead President Trump has amassed in the polls. They have lost faith in the failed Biden presidency and are now doing everything they can to stop the American voters from throwing them out of office next November. We have full confidence that the U.S. Supreme Court will quickly rule in our favor and finally put an end to these un-American lawsuits. Now, uh, interesting as this is, I was watching CNN last night. Um, I like to watch them to see, you know, what's, what's the spin? What do they have to say? And it was interesting to me that they had some commentators saying, this is going to go bad against us if we're basically saying, no, you can't vote for the person that you want. No, you can't in a democracy. Because they're all about, oh, you know, Donald Trump is a dictator. And we're going to, oh, so now they're the dictators. They're removing him so he can't even run. And it's all based on this being an insurrectionist, which he has not been tried or uh, condemned as being. He has not had a, he has not had anyone who definitely, people that hate him, that have tried to say you're an insurrectionist and it's treasonous or whatever. They couldn't actually come up with any of that. He said, march peacefully and patriotically to the Capitol. Let your voices be heard. That's what he said. Uh, a few bad people did some bad stuff and a few innocent people kind of wandered through the Capitol. But some, some bad people were smashing things and, <coughs> you know, acting a bit violent. They could deal with it. So if you could put this up, JT, on the side, hopefully you can see this. Um, so I'm watching CNN and uh, a few of them were saying, you know, well, we really do need to uh, consider that this is going to very much anger this other side. So this uh, host basically said to him, well, so what is, what is the ramifications of all of this? Like, even if Donald Trump is taken out of uh, the places where he will lose anyways, like, let's say it's, you know, it's a very democratic state, California or whatever, because JT just said to me, uh, now California is considering doing this. Let's get him off. So she says, well, but this doesn't look very good. And this guy begins explaining to her, you can't hear him, but he's saying, listen, these are states that Trump won in 2020, 235. States he lost, but he now leads in. He now leads over, um, over uh, Biden. That gives him 302 electoral votes. He only needs 270 to win. It would put him literally 32 electoral votes, even if some states... In, in the error of their ways feel, oh, we're not going to, you know, we're, we're not going to, um, you know, allow him to run. So it is heating up. And I'm hearing people talk about how, like, this could lead to civil war. This could be a very upsetting thing because 
everyone's mad, you know? Uh, the, the Democrats just cannot even stand the thought that maybe Donald Trump would get in. Now, lots of young people uh, are now voting for Trump. A lot of young people going, well, you know what? When Trump was in, we didn't have all these people coming over the border. Like, I don't know if you saw the visuals. Um, oh, if we could pull some up somewhere. Uh, you know, it's it's been on in the last day or so. It's that, it's that look, you know, there's got to be a tweet on it, something. The border, JT. But this tweet shows like they've had six to 8,000 people coming over the border in a day. So just multiply that by how many days this has been going on. Um, uh, you know, how many days there are left. People are, are urgently getting to the border because they know if Biden's out, the Democrats are out because they want these people to vote for them. That's why they would allow such a heinous assault against the borders, which is even allowing criminal elements to come in, sex traffickers, all kinds of crazies coming in the southern border. Do you want these people beside, you know, your families? No. So all of a sudden, a whole bunch of young people who are having to catch the, uh, what do you call that thing that flies overhead? A drone. So you got a drone and it's flying over and it's taking pictures of all of this. And, and, and you know, you'll still have the, um, the Biden, you know, Kareem Jean-Pierre basically saying the border is safe, the border is secure, we have a secure border. You know, with Kamala Harris, the border is secure. <laughs> oh, the, border is, the border is secure because it's secure as a border, which keeps us secure inside our borders. <laughs> Okay, so um, Laura Ingram on another topic, uh, talking about with Dr. Pierre Corey, who we have featured on the show, um, on why the U.S. has. We talked about this, but we didn't show the clip. Take a look. Americans the- died unexpectedly than in all of 2019. Now, just to give you some perspective, that's more than the casualties in every war since Vietnam, all of them combined. Now, actuarial reports that young people are being disproportionately affected here. Mortality was 26 percent higher among insured 35 to 44 year olds and 19 percent higher for 25 to 34 year olds. This is overall COVID deaths, of course, have dropped 84 percent since 2021. And my next guest is sounding the alarm. President and chief medical officer of the frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance, Dr. Pierre Corey. Uh, Dr. Corey, we got to know each other during COVID. Uh, these figures are staggering. Now, I think people see these numbers, Dr. Corey, and they, they might blame fentanyl or drugs or, you know, unknown heart problems, even in young athletes. People say that they're not uncommon. It's happened in years prior. So could, could this explain all these deaths? No, absolutely not. I mean, if you take a close look at the numbers and the life insurance industry, the actuaries have done this. It's the timing. You know, fentanyl didn't just explode on the scene in 2021. Uh, Global warming or obesity or diabetes or deaths of despair. I mean, the timing is is really inarguable. I mean, we have to answer the question. Why are the healthiest elements of society? These are young, employed uh, folks with life insurance suddenly started dying at rates we've never seen before in 2021, and it continues. And so it's, we're left with the question, what happened in the American workplace in 2021 that led to this unprecedented rate of death? 
What happened in 2021, everyone, that led to this unprecedented um, change? All these deaths, I wonder what it could be. I don't know, but uh, I'm kind of excited about one thing. And JT, did I just, did I lose, uh, um, oh, I think that I, I lost my uh, place because I want to show you something that on my, on my, Twitter, I'll just read it to you, but it's from the Teamsters Local Union number 31. Now, I posted something about how Purolator forced their employees to get uh, vaccinated or lose their jobs, but guess what they've come up with? So this is Teamsters Local Union number 31. I am so sad. I don't know what happened to my share. Um, and it says, uh, historical legal decision on COVID-19 policy for Teamsters at Purolator, Inc., Dear sisters and brothers, because they all just love to refer to each other as family members, they know the union, they love each other. Except, you know, a few of them weren't that loving when a lot of their members were losing their jobs for this exact same reason. Um, yesterday afternoon, your local union, Teamsters Local Union Number 31, received a historic decision that will have a lasting impact on the rights of all workers. The COVID-19 policy at Pure Later Inc., was called into question by the union. Good job, union. I am currently a union girl right now for this moment. I am supporting you 100% because you guys, you called into question. You you said to peer later, peer later, should you be, you know, should you be ixnaying everybody that's, that's uh, not getting vaccinated because of bodily autonomy and they don't think it's the right decision for them? Should they be fired? And the company was found to have unjustly terminated the employment of owner operators and placed hourly members on unpaid leave who refused to get vaccinated with the COVID-19 vaccine. This is a very, it is a historical legal decision. So, you know, one thing that I had said on my Twitter was we've got to start making people who did bad things pay. Uh, you got a choice of who you can use as your... Um, you know, when, when you need to courier something across the country, pay attention to who did what. Uh, when you have a choice of where to eat, where to purchase items, uh, people who were kind to you during the COVID years, be kind to them now. Spend your money there. Do you know to this day, since Tim Hortons forced their uh, young people to get vaccines in order to go to the camps, I haven't had a Tim Hortons. I haven't been there. I like Tim Hortons. I haven't been back. Oh, but you know what? I have found plenty of other places that have great coffee. I am not supporting the crazy that took place. And one of the ways I get to speak is, honestly, you know how you, you just spend three to five bucks, but you do it like twice a week? So, you know, 52 weeks a year, right, JT, times... Five, like maybe 10 bucks. Let's just say that's $520. Okay. I mean, that's too much to spend on coffee. I really need to cut down. But anyways, I, I don't, I don't actually do that. I make my coffee at home and I have an instant coffee. It's called Nescafe. And I used to have real coffee all the time. Now I'm on a tangent. I know. So Nescafe is like a, an instant coffee. And I just do a little scoop. And then I add my maple syrup in the morning with cinnamon. That is my morning routine. So 
let's get back to real issues. Uh, Greenpeace co-founder Dr. Patrick Moore, we love him. I remember seeing him at a Maxime Bernier event. Uh, Moore talking about the calamitous effects of net zero policies. Take a look. And they're getting away with doing something now. They're going into agriculture and threatening to cut off the supply of food because food is causing global warming. And, oh, isn't that nice? Only the billionaires will be able to afford to buy food and all the other people will die and because uh, there's not enough food. That's what we're heading for if we continue to listen to these people. And they are about to perpetrate one of the most evil acts in the history of human civilization, which is to cause poverty and starvation to hundreds of people if they go with this net zero. In order to get net zero, we'd have, first off, we'd have to kill all the animals, including ourselves, because we are an emission of CO2. We are talking about the most important things for the survival of ourselves every day, food and energy. There are no two, there no, nothing else is as important as those two things. Water, right, is part of food. Uh, they haven't decided to cut the water off just yet. But if they go ahead with what they are thinking and planning, they will cause a ruination the likes of which the earth has never seen. Because there are over 8 billion of us, and 4 billion of us depend on nitrogen fertilizer, which they now say is bad because it's a greenhouse gas or whatever. It, it, it isn't actually a greenhouse gas, but they've got some story about how nitrogen uh, in the form of nitrous oxide is going to cause the earth to warm up to unacceptable degrees. It's all completely phony. And so is the campaign against CO2, completely phony. There's nothing to it. It's not a real thing. And yet they have made it into a real thing in the West in particular. Russia, India, and China are busy building coal plants and nuclear plants. <laughs> Did you hear the one recently about our breath? Is, uh, you know, it's, it's bad for, <laughs> for, the, for the environment. Uh, so stop breathing. If you want to do your part, we need to get less breaths. Uh, what we should practice doing is just, you know, if, if you would normally take like 30 breaths or mm, I don't know, maybe it's only 20 breaths um, per, per minute. Let's all practice doing less breathing out, you know, more. Hold it. Then take a while to take a while while you've got no breath. Just take a while before you actually breathe it. And hold it. And let us begin a new way of breathing so that if we're all doing our part, if we're all cutting down on exhaling, we can help the planet. So there'll, there'll be a, a gadget that you'll be forced to wear soon and uh, it will monitor if you're doing your part bringing your 20 breaths per minute down to, let's say, let's give you 12 breaths, okay? You could do that. Sometimes, sure, you feel lightheaded, and some of you will pass out, but once you get used to it, once you learn how to operate in this, you won't be taxed because we're going to start taxing you on all of the breaths that you've been exhaling. Everyone needs to get on board, buckle up, everyone. Can you see Christia Freeland actually speaking like this? I, I, I see her in my mind's eye advocating for less exhales. Waiting to exhale. 
That'll be it. Please wait longer to exhale and we'll all be fine. So can are you able to get this statue, JT, at all? Um, there is a, a crazy thing. So Maxime Bernier, he sent it out. Um, put in, uh, put in the, the Twitter feed, JT, 55-foot statue of the Hindu deity, Hanuman. It's being constructed in Brampton, Ontario. 55 feet. Is that approximately a four-story building? Four. Yes, yes. So the statue sparked a debate amongst conservative-minded Canadians. Uh, critics pointed out how inappropriate it was for such a gigantic statue from a minority religion to dominate the urban landscape in a Canadian city. Oh, that's it. That's it. Can you share it? Okay, this is good. I want to show you this statue, everybody. It's quite interesting. So um, while monuments to our own history, such as Queen Victoria or Sir, jo Sir John A. Macdonald, are being vandalized and torn down. So tear down the statues of historical, uh, you know, um, figures of, of our society, and we can put up this big Hindu. Oh, you, I mean, you have to give it to him. These, these guys are really going all out. They want their statue erected. I mean, we're a post-national state, a post-Christian, uh, you know, we're, we're not really Judeo-Christian, are we? Some people would say. So take a look at that. Let's like, enlarge that, JT. Yeah. Oh, you can't? You can't put it full, full blown? Okay. Um, so uh, so the, the Hindus have gone full bore that they, they'd like to, you know, have a statue that's 55 feet tall. So those are houses. So to give you a sense in, in the background there at the bottom, those are houses. So this thing is like four, four, four to five stories high. I mean, okay. So how many in for a big statue of Jesus, you know, going up? Should we do big statues of Jesus? I don't know. Is that, is that like an idol? I don't think we're supposed to have idols and gods before us, right? That, you, you're not supposed to have, like, idols. I mean, it's one of the reasons that some people don't like, you know, different religions that have their statues and they pray to statues and pictures and stuff like that. Okay. I mean, this does not give me a good feeling, that statue at all. All right. My website is lauralyn.tv. I get in lots of trouble, so... Help me out, kids. Uh, you know, you never know what's going to come out of my mouth. But um, I do like it. Oh, we already got our show up today. Hey, it looks like it's playing live right now on our show. So this is laurelin.tv. We're starting to um, go live every day on, on our platform. And I appreciate if you help us. Thank you very much for being willing to support our broadcast. We do not do this with any help from any big organizations. We do this because we love you. We love the truth. And we think that knowledge helps us to make good decisions and to know what's going on in our country. So when I present to you um, information, I'm hoping that it will inform you and help you to be smarter, help you to, uh, you know, to, to know maybe how to converse on certain issues. We've gone over so so many things that you can then take and you can have that 
that arsenal, the arsenal of words. You know, it's kind of kept in your artillery, artillery and you can pull out those words. And words have power. When we speak words and we're able to articulate our perspective and our point of view, we can talk back against the propaganda. Because what we're in is a, an information war. So uh, the propaganda machine is spewing out every single day what they want us to think. But here on Laura Lynn uh, Live, we want to tell you that there's a different side and we want to give you some perspectives to consider. And you might not always agree with us, but the one thing you'll know is when you tune in, I'm telling you what I believe is the truth. And if I ever come to the place where I say, you know what, I had it all wrong, then I'm going to let you know that. But before I'm usually as vocal as I can be, I've usually looked into something for a lot of hours because that's what I do. I like to just, you know, read and investigate and see what this is all about. And I also get informed by my, my own guests. I, I have the guests on that will help you to understand what's going on. And, you know, we're going to have a show coming up uh, to explain to us about the Houthis because I'm not understanding about the Houthis. And I bet you know more about it than I do from the Middle East. Not really? No. Then we really need to know. Because there's this group, the Houthis, and they're, they're entering the war and something's happening and I'm not understanding them. And Toby was talking me, to me this morning about a guest that would be able to explain that. And I, I was like, yes, book that. So we understand. We can go in depth. Because when you're watching the news, usually you're getting, you know, a, a three-minute explanation um, with a whole lot of facts coming at you. And you don't really know what perspective you should really have. So I hope that you're informed by that. And most of all, I just want to say a very huge thank you. Personally, thank you for your kindness, for uh, the support that you've given. Um, when we do this and when I am uh, so vocal about my opinions, most people have opinions and you don't go around telling the world what you think, right? Because what would happen? <laughs> You get a lot of backlash, right? People would people would hate you. They wouldn't invite you to the Christmas dinner. Um, pe people would be mad. Your your friends would go, "What are you saying? You know, you're a nut, right? You're crazy. Don't say that out loud. Shh, be quiet. Be quiet. Stop it. This this is very inappropriate. It's it's politically incorrect to speak that way. But when I do it, I do it because I believe it's a calling from God to sound the alarm, to bring good information. And what happens to me? The same thing that would happen to you if you got vocal. Think about what would happen if you got really vocal. Well, that same thing happens to me. People write me, friends don't always agree with me, but here's, here's what has transpired. And I think that we actually all need to get to the other side of this. Once you get to the other side of the need for the approval of people, when you get past that, and you understand that the only thing that matters is the approval of God. Then you're powerful. Then you speak with clarity, kindness, with love, but firm, firmly. You speak firmly because you believe that what you have to say is right. And we are to pursue a life of speaking Right. And, you know, I was blessed last night because a dear friend, Heather, wrote me and she's known me since I was a little kid. She probably knew of me when I was born and my parents were 
um, in Uganda, and she probably heard, you know, when I was born over there, but she watched me grow up during my teenage years, and she wrote just a, such a wonderful note of encouragement about the clarity of what we present, and I appreciated that. And so, Heather, I love you dearly. Thank you. And you also blessed me a little bit, and I just appreciate it, and it means the world to me. So when you go to our website, you can show appreciation. There's a little donate box there, and you can become a monthly, um, a monthly donor. You can even donate anonymously. I never need to know who you are, and routinely people are doing that. So i like to say thank you, um, and I appreciate you very much. I, I'm very grateful every time we get a donation because it means that we can exhale as often as we like, by the way. Do you know what? I'm just going to start breathing in and out more often. <gasps> I'm just going to do it more often because if they don't want us breathing more, well, I'm just going to do the opposite. Just a rebellious, a little bit of a rebellious streak in me. I think I'm going to start walking and running more often, just exhaling all the time. But when you donate to us, it makes us feel better because we know that we can kind of breathe a little and uh, we're going to get through the month, keep the lights on, means the world to us. Also, my email is laurelynlive at protonmail.com. So feel free to write me there. And um, you can send e-transfers. And you can get a hold of me to tell me that you just think that everything I say is nuts. No problem. I usually write you guys back too. And also snail mail, box 48184, New Westminster. Write us there. V3M0A7. Thank you so much. Um, so I went to the Word this morning, and I was reading from Isaiah 36. So in Isaiah 36, 6, it says, In the 14th year of King Hezekiah's reign, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, attacked all the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. Bad day. The bad dudes captured Judah. The bad dudes came, and they took control of the good guys cities, towns, fortified places. So then Sennacherib, so remember this name, Sennacherib, he sends uh, his field commander and he says, you let them know this. Tell Hezekiah this. This is what the great king, the king of Assyria says on what you are basing this confidence of yours. You say that you have counsel and might for war, but you speak only empty words. On whom are you depending? that you rebel against me. He's saying, how dare you think that you can fight me? Look, I know that you are depending on Egypt, that splintered reed of a staff, which pierces the hand of anyone who, who leans on it. Oh, very graphic words, you know? Um, Such is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who depend on him. But if you say to me, we are depending on the Lord our God, isn't he the one whose high places and altars Hezekiah removed, saying to Judah and Jerusalem, you must worship before this altar. Because Hezekiah, he had already gone in. He had removed all the high places. You know, you know the statue you see being erected in Brampton there? Hezekiah, if he was king, he'd say, take that puppy down. Hezekiah came in, he removed all the gods, and he had done what he felt was right before God. So. Sennacherib says, though, king of Assyria, he says, I am going to smite you, and you better not be depending on your God. So um, 
they, they come and they bring this. So when King Hezekiah heard this, he tore his clothes and he put on sackcloth and went into the temple of the Lord. And he, he asked the palace administrator and the secretary and the leading priests all wearing sackcloth. And he told them, this is what I say. This day is a day of distress and rebuke and disgrace as when children come to the moment of birth and there is no strength to, to deliver them. So Hezekiah, he goes before God and he is just broken up because Sennacherib had already overtaken them. So Hezekiah says, um, so his prayer, Hezekiah uh, received the messengers. Uh, let me just find the prayer. Okay. Then, well, and then he heard from the prophet Isaiah. Okay. And this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Oh, no. So he's saying, because you have prayed to me. So, ah, all right. So, and Hezekiah prayed. Here, here it is. I better mark it up. For my daughter so she finds it easier lord almighty the god of israel enthroned between the cherubim you alone are god over all the kingdoms of the earth you have made heaven and earth give ear lord and hear open your ears lord and see listen to all the words sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living god and so isaiah says because you have prayed to the god of israel because you have prayed in this regard and not just decided to fight on your own, but because you have prayed, God is going to wipe out your enemy. And that's exactly what happened. You know what happened? They literally prayed to God. And it says in verse 36, the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp without the people lifting one finger. That's the power of prayer. We'll see you tomorrow. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.laurelin.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.